0: Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. My wife and I have a nephew named John, who is an outstanding fisherman. He really is. In fact, those of us who know John would say that maybe that's an understatement john was taught by a dad how to fish when when he was barely old enough to barely large enough to hold a, a pole in his hands he says that when he by the time he got his driver's license he was if you'll pardon the expression he was hooked he'd take his family's boat throughout central minnesota and, and explore all that the land of 10,000 lakes had to offer when he's old enough that he needed to make a living john worked part time as a fishing guide not only in his native state but even overseas 5 years ago john turned pro since then he's won tournaments on the national walleye tour and the professional muskie tour, and he's even competed well in, in the National Bass Fishing Team Championship. The best thing about John, though, is that he's, he's good with a story. With words well told, he can take you out with him on the boat, describe the weather condition, conditions, the, the fishing spot that he's seeking out, his strategy, how how he uses this Equipment that his sponsors provide for him. He talks about days when he's been completely shut out and and then can describe the thrill of of, of reeling in a big one shortly before the tournament ends. And because he's modest, because he's got a a good sense of humor, and because he he doesn't exaggerate like most fishermen are prone to do, John pulls in a a pretty good audience with his podcasts and with television programs that he's featured on. Fisherman John, the the good storyteller. Today we're hearing from another John. This is the same John who three years before this event was hard at work in the family's fishing boat one day It was he and his brother James and their father Zebedee and and some of their father's employees. They were preparing the nets so that they could go out on the lake again. And on that particular day, Jesus came up to them and he invited John and his brother James to follow him. Next thing we hear, they left their father Zebedee in the boat and along with the hired men and followed Jesus. It wasn't much afterwards that John was at the lake again to, to witness one of the first of Jesus' miracles. This is the one where Simon Peter and his crew, they, they bet out all night on the lake and haven't caught anything. The next day, Jesus tells them, go out into the deep water and, and lower your nets for a catch. Simon says, well, Lord, we fished all night. We've been working hard, but because you say so, we'll do it and they do it. And suddenly they they, they have so many fish that that they need two boats and can barely get the fish into the boats. John, we're told, saw that happen. And like everyone else, he remembered it and, and retold that fish story for years afterwards. Now by the time he writes this account here, it's 60 years later. John is... 90 years old, or thereabouts. He's the last one of the apostles to remain alive. And now he writes out his own account of what Jesus did. Turning water into wine at a wedding. Giving sight to a man who had been born, who had been blind from birth. Walking on the water of the stormy lake. Feeding the 5,000 raising his friend Lazarus from the grave. In the Gospel according to John, we hear of all of that. And then he retells what Jesus taught and proved how Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God made flesh. How Jesus is the vine. And those who believe in him are the fruit-bearing branches of the vine. How Jesus is the, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. How he is the, the only way to the Father. How he is the bread of eternal life. How he is the, the light of the world. How Jesus is the priest who prays for all of his disciples, even those who at this time had not even yet been born. And then in the culmination of John's writing, he tells how Jesus rose from the grave and appeared to to Mary Magdalene and appeared to 10 of his apostles and then he appeared to 11, including once doubting Thomas. Sixty years after it happened, John writes it all down. And then, true to form, he tells one more fishing story one that captures our imagination and and elicits from him and from you and me everlasting words of praise. It went like this, John writes. By this time, we had seen the risen Lord two times. Now we are all up in Galilee because that's where he told us he'd see us again. Seven of us are down by the lake. Simon Peter has the idea. I'm going out fishing. And the rest of us, Thomas no longer doubting, Nathaniel, my brother James and I, and two disciples you may not know, the rest of us went out in the boat with, with him. Fished all night. Caught nothing. The next morning, we're, we're getting closer to the shore, figuring we're going to have to cobble something, something other than fish together for breakfast. And we see this lone figure on the beach, about 100 yards away. He calls out to us, any fish? No. And then he says, put down your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So we do. And as soon as we do, the net is so full of fish, we, we, can, we can barely bring it in. I was the first one to realize that this was Jesus on the shore. I say out loud, it's the Lord. And as soon as the words are out of my mouth, Simon Peter has grabbed his coat and he jumps in the water and he starts thrashing his way to the shore. The rest of us have, have a little bit of a slower going because we're having a hard time towing all these fish back to the shore. When we get there, he breakfast ready for us. Some fish over some coals and some bread. But before we eat, he tells us, come and show, show me what you caught. Simon Peter, he trots off to the boat. He, he brings the net into the shore and we start counting. One, two, three, ten, twelve, forty. 10, 12, 40. 80, 100, 120, 153. 153 large fish, all of them keepers. What, what fisherman on the Sea of Galilee catches 153 fish with one cast after not catching anything all night? I'll never forget that number. And I'll never tire of telling of, 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 of this account because obviously this Lord Jesus... I was one of those who saw him him die on the cross. This once dead Lord Jesus is now alive and more powerful than ever. So what's John doing here in this account? He's telling a memorable story. He's giving convincing proof that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose from the dead with power and great glory. He's saving one of his best stories for the end of his book. And he's praising the living Savior by retelling a specific event from his life, even 60 years later. So what details from your life will you never forget? What stories do you like to tell? Do you like to tell your stories from, from when you were growing up? Some of the details, I imagine, are still pretty vivid in, in your mind's eye, right? Many folks retell childhood stories in order to complain about how many hardships they suffered or in order to brag about what what a wonderful child they were. But like John, you can tell the story of heartache and hardship and and, and even say then that your living Savior was with you to to see you through. Or like John, you can retell a a story of amazing success and do it in such a way that it it was entirely the Lord Jesus who granted the success. Either way... Hardship or success, long story or short, for one of God's people, retelling a memory is a wonderful opportunity to to speak well of the Lord Jesus. Do you like to tell about moving away from home for the first time? Or about how you met your future husband or wife? Or about your wedding day? Or about the, the, the birth of your first child? many folks retell family events just for the just for the humor just for the laughs or the entertainment value others retell and they'll talk about they'll they'll thank their lucky stars for things that have occurred in their life but like John you can retell your big your life's big events recognizing how your living savior was always there guiding them and planning how to bless you For the Heavenly Father's children, telling a a story from family life is a wonderful opportunity to praise the Lord. Of course, even if you don't have a a great memory for things long ago, even if you don't consider yourself much of a storyteller, in his word, God has given you a whole bunch of stories that are really for you personally, and yet you share them with many others. The story of the Apostle Paul. It's always worth reading in the book of Acts. Sixteen chapters are devoted to it. It's the account of of, of what may have been the greatest missionary ever and how Paul, at the risk of his own life, traveled the faraway lands and cities to, to tell people the good news of eternal life. But it begins with that very man, a hateful man, persecuting Christians. He's making a special trip to arrest them and imprison them. And yet he hears twice his own name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's the risen from the the grave and ascended Lord Jesus, but he's not there calling on Saul to to own up for his misdeeds and and to suffer punishment for them. He's there to change Paul's life into a billboard for God's grace. After that, Saul is blind for three days. And yet all that time, he, he sees what the grace and love of God are in Christ whom he had been persecuting. Isn't that your story too? The Bible says that the sinful mind is by nature hostile to God. It's natural for human beings to to hate the Lord with, with the understanding that the Lord has to punish us for all the times that we've not been able to disobey him. But the risen from the grave and ascended Lord spoke his name upon you at your baptism, called you by name to be one of his own children and adopted you. Through his word, he has allowed you to to see how great his love for you is. That's your story too. And it's worth telling to the praise of Christ. The book of Revelation has those numbers that are so thought-provoking because they, they they represent things. Remember the numbers of the book of Revelation? The number 12 is the number for the, the people of God, the church. The number 10 is the number of completeness. The number 3 is the number of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and And four is the number of the people of this earth. The same John, shortly after he wrote this book, saw a vision in which the three brings the four to himself. And so three plus four represents the gracious covenant with which God saves the people from the world. And then John sees in this vision the three plus four. How worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and and honor and glory and praise. That's no accident that's that seven because that's the number of God's gracious covenant to save us. That's your story too because you're one of those that can praise the lord for those very things. Of course there are a lot of things in our lives that perhaps we don't have a number for. How many times have How many times have you acted selfishly? How many times have you misused the name of the lord with a with a curse? How often have you acted impatiently or refused to forgive? How many times have I hurt somebody with unkind words? How many times have have you or I been lazy? And yet how many times has the heavenly father for the sake of his son forgiven our sin? And how many times has he then protected me and you from danger? brought us back onto the path when we wandered watched over us in times of trouble and foolishness how many times has he listened to our prayers how many times has he blessed us and helped us even when we didn't pray my point even if there's not a a number at hand even if you even if you cannot name the the 12 tribes of Israel, or the original 12 apostles, even if you cannot retell the significance of the, of the threes and the fours and the, and the sevens and the tens of the book of Revelation, even then, even if you can't remember that number of fish, 153, even then, you're included in Scripture's story greatest story ever told as some have have put it it's not only true in every word but it's true for me and it's true for you read it often pick it up and read it again learn it well and then include yourself in what scripture says as you praise the Lord for his power and wealth and wisdom and strength Every Bible story you've learned is worth talking about with someone else. Every Bible story you read is worth sharing with others to the praise of Christ. And as for those personal stories that are your own, tell them honestly and tell them humbly, of course, but also tell them with one goal in particular, that you'll tell it the true way, how every story in your life ultimately brings honor and glory and praise to the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world and who rose, that you might have not only marvelous stories for this life to tell, but an everlasting story as well. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.